Hey everyone, welcome to The Geek Awakens. Uh, I'm Mitch and I've got another question for my co-hosts and guests tonight. So Henry Cavill is in talks to play Superman again, though not necessarily for his own movie. My question to you is this, uh, what DC uh, movie would you like to see the Man of Steel in, being in? So joining me tonight is Matt. Hello. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Like I really, I, I'm not sure what else he would, I don't know. God. He already did the Batman Superman thing, which Wonder Woman was partially in that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't know what, what else he should like play a role in. I know I saw something that was basically like referring to his like upcoming roles as like what Bruce Banner has been for the MCU. And I don't know. I, I mean, I don't see Superman chiming in like, you know, Hulk did on Thor. So I don't know. Uh, Tabitha. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna throw him in that Robert Pattinson Batman movie. I have a feeling. Uh, we do also have a couple more special guests tonight. Uh, Audrey, what about you? Oh man, I don't know. I, my answer is the same as Matt. <laughs> the only thing that I can even think of right now is like Suicide Squad, but that doesn't sound right either. And Chris. I don't know. I've been waiting for a Spawn movie, so maybe he could be a Spawn versus Superman or something like that. Uh, for me, I think I would like to see him in uh, the sequel to Shazam, just because the two power sets are so similar. But I also mm. want to see him yeah. in a Booster Gold movie, just because I really want a Booster Gold movie. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a way to get that done. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... So we are going to do uh, our second installment of a uh, our new segment called called Artist Alley. Uh, it's where we bring one of the best parts of a convention to your ears. Uh, tonight we are joined by local artists Audrey and Chris. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. I'm doing good. Awesome. So uh, tell tell us a little bit about how you got started. Um, you know, what was your inspiration to create art, and how long have you been doing it? Um, I've been doing art pretty much my whole life. Um, I kind of got started in like middle school drawing Dragon Ball Z like everyone does at one point in their <laughs> life and uh, it like grew and then after college um, I started getting a little bit more serious about like painting and illustrations and um, so it's been a little bit of my whole life really. I don't know I grew up in a house where with a seamstress so <clears throat> I was constantly surrounded by creativity and I kind of just sort of wanted to do it myself and eventually Chris and my friends and some family all teamed up and bought me an embroidery sh machine for my birthday last year. So I've just been going wild since then. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I know that you guys have collaborated on some pieces. So like, do you t uh, typically collaborate or do you kind of do your own thing or kind of tell us, walk us through that? It's, it's both. We both definitely have our own like preferred um, obviously preferred mediums, but preferred things that we work on, but we do really enjoy the collaboration pieces as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of focus on our own stuff and while we're doing that, we usually have another project where we're collaborating together as well. Um, but it's, it's a good to have like a variety. Um, we really like whenever people come to our pages, like they can see like an illustration or a painting and then like, an embroidery and then like a collaboration uh, between the both of us. It's really fun. 
Yeah. So kind of going along with that, because you do have different types of um, work that you that you do. Like, so is there is there is there a certain medium or a certain style that you that you personally favor? I really personally like animals myself um, and really like detailed animals. So like I like to find designs that may not be exactly lifelike that I would stitch out. Um, but maybe they're really vibrant and really colorful. Yeah. Um, I think I like it all really. Um, I really like the variety because you don't get bored doing something over and over again. Um, some people find themselves in that rut and usually if I get bored or we get bored working on one thing, we can just change it to something else. No problem. Nice. So how do you decide like the medium for your next piece? Like, so do you, or, you know, is it that you decide that you want to create something in a certain style and then kind of go from there? Yeah, I think, um, you know, some, sometimes what we do is try to have a centric piece of uh, embroidery material. And um, Audrey will usually have um, a piece like that. Usually it's something naturey like a moth or a butterfly or uh, one of our big sellers right now is a colorful elephant. And then um, we really focus on like the colors to bring attention to the piece. And so once we figure all that out, we start, I start painting the background while she's doing the embroidery piece. And then it just all comes together as soon as we're both done with them. Yeah. He like watches the different colors that I pick out because I might do a uh, same design more than once, but I always pretend like I've never seen the colors before in my life. So, you know, I kind of pull them and I'm like, okay, was it this one? Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, so what did give you the idea to, you know, to have like a combination of different types of, you know, art styles for, uh, for your uh, artwork? Um, so I do something that's called freestanding embroidery. And what it is, is I basically create a lace with what I design. And then with that one, basically I can like wash it. And then as it dries, I can mold it to do whatever I would like it to do. So I started doing freestanding butterflies and I was like, wow, these are really cool. It would be super cool to have a landscape to put them on. And so that's kind of where it came from. <laughs> yep. Nice. So do you, uh, do you make any like commission pieces? Right now? Not really. Um, however, if somebody came to us with a design idea, I think we'd be open to trying to get with them and figure out like what, what's in the realm of, you know, possibilities for us to create for them. And, uh, you know, it, it's something that we really haven't done before, but we're totally open to it. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you guys, you did recently post on Instagram that your art's going to be at Wild Rose here in Springfield. Uh, how did you get, get involved with that? Monica is the owner at, of the shop, Wild Rose, and she and I and Chris have known each other for a really long time. Um, we started doing shows together way back when, and so when she took over the store, it was a natural move for us uh, to be able to start working with her. Awesome. Uh, now, is there anywhere else, like uh, online or anything like that, where people can find your art and buy your art? So we do. Uh, we can sell our art like over Facebook or Instagram, uh, usually with PayPal too. Um, we also have an Etsy site that will be back up here shortly. We're undergoing some maintenance on it, 
Um, and so it's going to be available on Etsy, Wild Rose, and then usually like a direct message to our business um, on one of those like social media platforms can also get you somewhere with our stuff. Cool. So, all right. So last question that I have for you, it's really not so much of a question. It's just, this is your time. Uh, you know, like tell, you know, tell people how they can find you online. Uh, you know, just, uh, yeah, just promote yourself to your heart's content. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so you can find us online on Instagram and uh, Facebook with uh, the name needle and brush design. Um, we are going to have an Etsy page, um, also called needle and brush designs as well. Um, shortly we were, we will also have a web page, um, that kind of links everything together as well. Um, so you'll find that on our social media once we get that up and also awesome. feel free to always check yeah. out wild bros. They got some great stuff. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, Audrey, Chris, um, Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us um, and best of luck to you. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Thanks. So if you want to be featured on Artist Alley, then shoot us a message on any of our social medias or send us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get started with some Oof. gut reaction. Uh, and Matt, we're going to start with you and some uh, breaking Sonic news, breaking the yes, speed of sound. <laughs> what? <laughs> Breaking the speed of sound? I'm sorry. Me too. <laughs> uh, so, Sonic the Hedgehog star Ben Schwartz and the movie director Jeff Fowler um, were talking this afternoon um, and have essentially, like, officially announced that a sequel is in the works for Sonic. Um, they were excited for the reaction that it got. Um, apparently, I have not seen it yet. Um, but the ending kind of left it open for a sequel, but, uh, it looks like they are actually, it's, it's going to happen. Sonic's coming back around. I have not seen the first one, but I think it's, I, I'm glad that the, um, they were able to get the design fixed and it was so well received. So thumbs up for that. Tabitha? Yeah. I'm glad they fixed what Sonic looked like. I'm still not super behind this movie as it is. I just, it. <laughs> video game movies, guys. They just never turn out well. Um, so I'm going to go thumb sideways. Uh, this movie was way better than it had any right to be. Uh, so yes, give me give me all the sequels. I'm totally here for it. Big Finish has announced an audio drama starring not one, but two of the most popular Doctor Whos. Or is it Doctors Who? Um, anyway, Ugh. Tom... <laughs> Tom Baker and David Tennant are going to unite to fight the Daleks in an upcoming drama, audio drama called Doctor Who Out of Time 1, which will release in August. Uh, this is going to be the first time that a Doctor from the classic series is teaming up with a Doctor from uh, since the relaunch, so in, as far as uh, audio goes. Uh, but yeah, hmm. I'm not, I've never listened to any of the Big Finish audios when it comes to Doctor Who, but uh, this sounds awesome. Uh, thumbs up. Matt? I also haven't listened to any of these. Um, I mean, I enjoyed when they kind of teamed up um, in the series. So uh, I'm going to go thumbs up. Tabitha. I would listen to David Tennant read the instructions for my blender. So thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I almost forgot. We had a couple of trailers. Matt, let's talk about Old Guard. 
So Old Guard is an adaptation of a graphic novel by Greg Rucka and Leando Fernandez. Um, it is about a, an elite squad of mercenaries with special abilities. Their special ability happens to be that they do not die. It is going to be directed by Gina Prince-Blythewood, who did Love and Basketball, um, and is releasing on Netflix July 10th. I watched the trailer again this afternoon. It looks kind of cool. I, I know this isn't, like, the graphic novel's fault, but visually, as far as the movie goes, it looks kind of like a retread of just some, like, style-wise of stuff that we've already seen. But, uh, I don't know, Charlize Theron, Greg Ruckus behind the story. Um, so I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go thumb sideways, because I just can't decide how this is going to turn out. Tabitha. Uh, I didn't watch this trailer, but every time they've done like a graphic novel or a book adaptation with Netflix, it they've knocked it out of the park. So I'm going to go with them sideways just because if I had watched it, I'd have a little bit more idea. But since I haven't, it's Netflix. I kind of trust them. Thumb yeah. sideways. Yeah, agreed. I also didn't get a chance to uh, to watch the trailer, but um, but you're absolutely right. Netflix does an amazing job with uh, with their adaptations, so I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and give it a thumbs up. So, uh, Matt, we also had another trailer. Let's talk about Tenet. So, Tenet is a new film coming out from Christopher Nolan, um, and kind of the reason that this trailer even made news this week was because the way the trailer unfolds is kind of a classic trailer thing, um, but about a third of the way through it says, you know, directed by Christopher Nolan and cuts back to the movie, then it goes, like, something about how he, you know, brought us the Dark Knight. And then the trailer cuts to a shot of Robert Pattinson getting out of a car. Um, and the internet kind of just went crazy about this because, I mean, Christopher Nolan with Inception and the way that these trailers for Tenet look, um, it's kind of just a mind-bending, brain-screwing, like, what is going on kind of situation. So then for that to show up in the trailer in that particular order when Pattinson is going to be playing Batman just seemed like another Christopher Nolan, like, like twist, you know, dig it, not, not even dig, but just like playing with, you know, the, the viewer. This in general just looks trippy and cool. Um, so I'm going to go thumbs up with this trailer. Tabitha. Yeah, what you just said, bringing up Inception kind of turned my stomach because I just, I hate that movie with the passion of 10,000 Burning Suns. But also, I'm against this movie simply because every YouTube video that I have tried to watch in the last, like, two months or two days or whatever, it feels like my whole life, this stupid trailer has popped up and I have to keep skipping it. And I was watching a very long video a couple days ago. This trailer popped up at every ad. Every ad? Every ad. Every ad on one video, so I'm done. I didn't even watch it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't like being friends. <laughs> you know, I'm going to give this a thumbs up just simply because uh, there's there's no way that that wasn't intentional with, with Robert Pattinson. There's no yeah, way yeah. it wasn't intentional. So, But who's to say if that's going to actually translate into people going to see the film? So, um, Tabitha, let's talk about what J.K. Rowling's doing. Okay, so... Two days ago, J.K. Rowling announced that a new book, The Ichabog, will be serialized for free on its own website starting on the 26th, so two days ago, and continuing up until July 10th. Rowling 
called it a political fairy tale that she wanted to publish right after the Harry Potter books, but it was shelved. And she has described this as being written to be read and said it's not in reflection of today's political climate, but I've read some and it totally is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she read it out loud to her kids, so she wants you to read it out loud to your children or to your adults because I've been reading it. It isn't Harry Potter. There is no magic. It's a very, like, timeless, like, kids story centered around, like, a king and a monster and a kingdom and reasons you shouldn't be a shitty human, basically. Um, I've read the first four chapters just sitting here a while ago, and I really wanted to be salty about this, but now I'm kind of addicted and I need to know what's happening. The other really cool thing that they are doing is the book is going to be released in November as an ebook, but they are featuring illustrations from children who have had to stay at home due to the coronavirus. So they're asking for these submissions to be submitted on the Ichabod.com, which also that website, every time I look at it, I think I'm reading Thickabog and I'm like, oh, Thickabog. Uh, anyway, so you can either submit them through the website or using the hashtag, hashtag the Ichabod, also known as Thickabog. All of the royalties are being pledged to help groups who've been impacted by the pandemic. So I wanted to be salty about J.K. Rowling being like, hey guys, I have a thing, look what I did, give me money. But now I can't, so thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Matt, what about you? So I have not gotten a chance to read this. I definitely want to. Um, But I was going to try and be salty on this just for the fact that, like, I don't know, I know that it the, the pandemic is affecting different countries in different ways, but like most of the United States is getting to the point where we're starting to open back up again. And now she's like, hey, I wrote this for the pandemic. I'm like, which is almost past. No, she wrote it a long time ago. I mean, ago. she wrote it a long time ago, but it's like, Releasing. I, I don't know, like all these other artists and like musicians and stuff have done stuff over the last, I don't know, eight to 10 weeks while people have been in lockdown. And I was going to try and be salty because J.K. Rowling's like going to pop in at the end and go, hey, look what I did. And you're like, yeah, you, you're, you're after the, you know, after the vote. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like the fact that it's still being released, they're going to do artwork from kids that are stuck at home. I, it's still cool. So thumbs up. I'm going to go thumb sideways. Uh, it's I don't know how I feel how about the book being kind of described as a you know a political group book but it's geared towards like seven-year-olds and it's like i don't know i kind of feel like they're too young for that kind of talk but i don't know maybe i'm wrong but uh but thumb sideways i do however uh look forward to like what five ten years from now when she tells us about all these you know other character (laughs) point plot points that you know never made it in the book See, when I'm reading it, now I'm looking for them. I'm like, I know what she's going to do in 10 years. (laughs) This will change. This person won't die. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of people dying, uh, Matt, let's talk about what uh, the creator of John Wick is doing now. Uh, (laughs) The creator, Derek Colstead of John Wick, um, is not, like, sitting still as we wait for um, John Wick 4 to reach theaters. 
In an extended interview with comicbook.com, he revealed that he has a couple of additional projects that he's working on. He has three movies right now in the works. He has A Company Man and A Map from Nowhere, which are both coming through New Line Cinemas. And then he also has been tapped as the director for A Darker Shade of Magic um, from Sony, which is the uh, V.E. Schwab book. Um, But he is working on pitches. Um, He doesn't have, like, full projects, but pitches for TV adaptations of two video games, Bendy and the Ink Machine and My Friend Pedro. Uh, My Friend Pedro is a shoot-em-up with a talking banana. Um, And then Bendy is a puzzler-slash-survival horror game uh, about nightmarish cartoons that come to life. I'm intrigued by how either of those would make the leap from video games to comic or TV. Um, And I, I know that at least Bendy has been popular with, like, slightly older kids, um, tweens, I guess, maybe. Um, that's still a thing. No, Grandpa. I don't know. I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to go thumbs up on these, because I think they could probably come out pretty cool. Tabitha? I refuse to go thumbs up on anything with a talking banana. <laughs> <laughs> you had me until the talking banana, so yeah. I'm going to go thumbs sideways. See, I'm on board with a talking and you know, gun shooting banana, but I can't give a thumbs up to anybody who also created John Wick, so I'm going all the way thumbs down. <laughs> now I'm just imagining, like, John Wick, but replaced by a banana. I'd watch that. As long as the puppy didn't die, I don't care. There'd be a lot of slipping and falling. Oh my god, I hate you. <laughs> would a banana even have a dog for a pet? What would a banana have for a pet? I don't know, a maybe monkey? like a, a raspberry? A monkey would eat the banana. That's not how the food chain works. (laughs) So, the Captain Janeway Bloomington Collective uh, has announced that um, the unveiling of a statue memorializing uh, Captain Janeway herself will be uh, on October 24th in uh, Bloomington, Indiana, which is the future birthplace of Catherine Janeway, who supposedly will be born in Bloomington on May 20th, uh, 2336. Total thumbs up. I know that this isn't the first place to do something like this. I know what Captain Kirk's hometown has something similar. So, I mean, it's it's awesome, fantastic, and it's not that far away, so maybe I'll go check it out. Uh, Matt? Um, I'm going to go thumbs up. I think these are fun and cool things um, to do. An even bigger thumbs up if somebody that year actually names their daughter uh, Catherine Janeway. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Tabitha? Yeah. Thumbs up. Sorry, I was thinking about somebody naming their kid that. Um, <laughs> huge thumbs up. I love when they take, like, alternate pop culture history and make it reality, and that just that just makes me smile. Like, the birthplace of Captain Kirk, like, seeing that monument is on my bucket list of things, which is stupid because it's in Iowa, and who has something on their bucket list in Iowa? But, like, <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> so, uh, we've got a couple of press releases over the week. Uh, first one, uh, Z2 Comics has announced a Gorillas Almanac. Like, I'm talking about, like, the band uh, Gorillas. It's a full-color, one-of-a-kind, 120-plus uh, page uh, homage to two decades of Gorillas. It's going to have uh, exclusive new artwork, puzzles, games, um, and other stuff. Uh, there are going to be three special editions. There's the Gorillas Almanac Standard, which is going to be uh, $24.99. 
the Deluxe will be $99.99, and the Super Deluxe will be $199.99. I think that there is a date... Oh, uh, yeah, just just October of 2020, so I don't have an exact date there. Uh, also, Vault Comics has announced uh, a support for retailers as part of the Vault Bound Initiative. It's going to extend returnability line-wide across uh, all of their new comics shipping in June and July, and it's also going to reduce the price per copy that retailers pay for both uh, the new number ones and then also new collected editions. They're, what they're trying to do is basically they're trying to help uh, comic book shops who have been suffering through this whole thing and as they're you know slowly starting to come back uh, just to try to make things easier on them. Uh, Vault CEO Damian uh, Wassel said that uh, we succeed together with comic shops or not at all. And that if we can help comic shops reduce risk, improve margins, and stabilize cash flow, that's good for them, it's good for us, and it's good for everyone who loves comics. I think it's a fantastic idea. Agreed. Yeah, that's a really cool idea. Good good way to kind of spur things to, to like, as people come back. Yeah, for sure. Um, which, I'll tell you what, though, too, like, I know, at least here in Illinois, tomorrow... I can actually go into a comic book shop and buy comics, and I'm kind of excited about that. <laughs> yeah. But I digress. Uh, speaking of reading <laughs> comics, uh, we did get a chance to read Rick and Morty Go to Hell number one. It is from Oni Press. So Rick and Morty are in hell. Uh, fire, brimstone, all that good stuff. Uh, however, Rick kind is trying to see a way out of this and he drags Morty with him on a uh, adventure to speak to the manager of hell. So, um <laughs> I know uh you guys both had a chance to read it. I had a chance to read it as well. This also is going to come out June 10th. Uh so spoiler free, but what did you guys think? It had me after like the third page when Morty is convinced that they're in hell and Rick is convinced they're not in hell, just like an alternate reality. And they're like bickering back and forth about where they could possibly be. And Rick, Morty's like, it's humid. It's hot. There are people in agony. And Rick's like, have you ever been to Florida? And like <laughs> nothing has ever been more accurate ever in anything. I love this. Like, I want to know, I want to know what the manager of hell looks like. I want to know who the manager of hell is. This was like reading a Rick and Morty episode. Every time we get one of these, it just makes me feel like I got an extra episode of Rick and Morty. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and that's and that's what I felt when I was when I was reading it too. I know I've only seen like a handful of episodes of Rick and Morty just here and there, but yeah, it like I, it felt like I was you know reading an episode of it. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It was a lot of fun. Um, I think it would be fantastic if the manager of hell is kind of like a Karen type. Um, Damn it. <laughs> Did I steal your steal your thunder? Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say if they get to the end and the manager of hell is not named Karen, I'm gonna be upset. <laughs> that would be so awesome, <laughs> wouldn't it? But uh, but Matt, what did you think about it? <laughs> um, I enjoyed this. Yeah, this is like a like a multi part uh, Rick and Morty episode, which which is just fun, and you know they hit all the right notes when it comes to the dialogue and um, even Jerry's just existence disaster of an existence like is like spot on so just really enjoyed this so yeah so like I said that's gonna come out uh, June 10th so be on the lookout for that uh, one little last little bit of comic book news that I want to talk about um, so last year boom Studios uh, 
had a couple really big hits with uh, Once in Future, which had which uh, the first issue had over thirty one thousand copies without any variants. And then later on that year, Something is Killing the Children Number One sold thirty three thousand eight hundred twenty two copies of its first printing. Um, however. They've got a new title. It's called Wind, um, which is going, and that's W Y N D. Um, the advance orders, as of yesterday's final order cutoff, was over thirty-eight thousand copies. Um, yeah, it is going to be the biggest creator-owned series launch in Boom's history, um, which is impressive, especially again, kind of going with everything that's going on right now. Um, yeah, you know, you, you got to think that like if the world was quote-unquote normal, that that number would be even higher. Uh, Wind is planned as a three-graphic novel series, but, um, you know, if as big as it is, like, there, I'm sure, will be more. Uh, And it's going to be available, the first issue will be available in comic comic book shops um, June 17th. So, Mm -hmm. if you haven't already pre-ordered that, like me, um, then, yeah, you should probably try to get on that, like, ASAP. So, yeah, um, Matt, you've got a couple other stories. First, let's talk about Darth Maul. Darth Maul is the villain in Star Wars that I guess we all love to hate because he just didn't last long enough, even though he was super cool. He made appearances in both the Clone Wars and the Rebels animated series. And there is a rumor floating around the Internet right now that um, kind of two part one that he might appear in the Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan Disney Plus series, and then also that Disney and Lucasfilm are looking into the possibility of developing a full series around Darth Maul, which I know for most people, like, that would be huge. Like, to get more of his story um, would be awesome. Um, there's already rumor that if this does take place, that one, that Sam Witwer, who voices Darth Maul in the Clone Wars and Rebels, um, would return to voice said character, um, and that it will probably take place after the events of Solo. So, I... I don't know exactly what to make of that. That's a weird place in the timeline. That was kind of my thought. I don't know how that... I don't know exactly how that lines up with, like, where they were planning on putting the Obi-Wan uh, show as far as the timeline goes. I, I I I think I'm with a lot of people, though, like, yeah, like, more Darth Maul, just, yep, yeah, please. Yeah, that is kind of confusing, like, I don't know, like, for me, and I'm sure if I, I, I'm sure that it is explained in the animated series how Darth Maul, you know, survived being cut in half, um, but I feel like <laughs> that would also have to be explained in the Disney Plus series. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Also, not everybody watched those. Re- exactly. Um, also, yeah. like, what um, what adorable baby version of a Star Wars character is going to be in the Darth Maul series? It's probably going to be a Jar Jar. Let's get real. Ooh. Oh, I'd be okay with that. I would too, honestly. Right. <laughs> it might be kind of cute, annoying, but cute. Now I feel like we're just going to end up with like a uh, like a Muppet Babies type of. Star Wars series? No. With all no. the babies in a nursery? No. Baby nope, Yoda, Baby Jabba, Baby Jar Jar. What would a Baby Jabba even look like? Just a regular newborn? Because it's all... Oh, no, it's just, just like a slug. Yeah. Right, I said a regular newborn. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was that artist rendering a few months ago of what a Baby oh, Jabba yeah, would look right. like. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Baby Jabba. A Baby Rancor? Oh. 
Baby Tauntaun. I was just about to say Baby Tauntaun. <laughs> <laughs> now I just want baby versions of everything. <laughs> you, you know I don't that, want to show with all of it. You know that um, merchandise of like a baby Ewok would sell ridiculous. So, I mean, I guess at that point it's just like a teddy bear. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a tiny Ewok. Ewok. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> moving on... Um, Matt, what uh, what does the Snyder Cut have in store for us? So, you posted on the Facebook page that last week we found out that Justice League is getting the Snyder Cut. It is going to be available for streaming. But we also found out who played Darkseid in this Snyder Cut. Um, and a guy, Ray Porter, who was in Argo and has been in like a gazillion one-episode stints on TV shows, um, he announced via Twitter that he is the one that played Darkseid in um, all the footage that uh, Snyder shot that was not used. The article went on to talk about that Darkseid was meant to be a lot bigger uh, part of Justice League, um, including the point where it would have been a little bit more clear that the nightmare sequence with Batman um, was kind of a post-apocalyptic future caused by Darkseid. Okay. Um, so it kind of explains like where that whole sequence even came from. Um, I, I mean, we're gonna get the 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 Snyder cut sometime in the next year, um, but it'll be interesting to see how much Darkseid we get. I don't know. I'm intrigued because. Like, Darkseid, in a lot of ways, was, has been compared to, like, Thanos, mm -hmm. as far as the MCU. Um, and the MCU, like, teased Thanos from the beginning. Like, mm -hmm. long and hard, they teased Thanos and, you know, drugged that out. Um, and the idea that, you know, this Snyder Cut is basically going to forego all of that, like, tension building. Mm -hmm. And just say, here's your big bad. And just take it from there. I don't know. That's the part that I kind of question. I don't know that I care how it's cut. I'm not going to like that Justice League movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to be more interested because, you know, with the director's cuts, like, you always get the actual vision. Like, the thing that the, the creator wanted you to see, not the thing that the movie studio wanted you to see. But with the thing the movie studio wanted me to see, I don't want to see any more. I don't ever want to have to watch that again. Oh, it's not good. It wasn't that bad. It was not good. It wasn't that bad. It was not good. <laughs> but um, Mitch, we'll, we'll watch it because Tabitha does not want to. Yeah. But see, my <laughs> yeah, bye. <laughs> my my thing with director's cuts in general, I think I've you know even said it on the show before, but like, I take those things with a grain of salt because it's like. You know, yeah, it's all well and good, but at the end of the day, like, that's not, that's not official canon. That's not what the audience saw first. So it's kind of like, it's one of those things, like, I don't super care about it. Um, it is kind of interesting, though, going back to what you were saying about the uh, parallel between Darkseid and Thanos. Uh, and how DC just kind of, like, crammed Darkseid. But, like, that's also kind of what they did with the Justice League in general. Like, you know, how many years was it between... <laughs> Um, you know, the first Iron Man and then the Avengers and, you know, they had plenty of time to kind of build up to that. And DC was just kind of like, 
Here you go. It's like <laughs> all the superheroes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's it's like it's when yeah, it's like when you go out to eat and like you know you expect to get like you know your salad and then your appetizer and then your entree and then you just get all of it at the same time. <laughs> so DC films are bad restaurant experiences. Yes. DC is kind of just like DC's your inexperienced server, um, just fresh out of training, doesn't really know what they're doing. In the weeds. Yeah, exactly. Complete with indigestion. Is this is this a sign that I need to get back to work? You need to go back to work? <laughs> uh, we got time for one more story. Uh, Tabitha, we haven't had a good drone story in a while. Well, we may not have any more drone stories because the USS Portland is taking them down. <laughs> um, so the U.S. Navy released a video of their new laser weapon that is capable of shooting down flying drones, because uh, that's that's what we're that's where we're headed in the world. Um, it is a 150 kilowatt class technology. Uh, the laser weapon system, LWSD, whatever, I'm not a tech nerd, was used successfully to disable an unmanned aerial vehicle, and it definitely disabled it. Uh, did you guys watch this video mm-hmm. at all? I did not. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just for demonstration purposes right now, but it, the U.S. Navy gets it. They know where we're headed in the world. We're going to all be taken out by drones. Uh, they stated that missiles can be outnumbered, but lasers would allow for unlimited ammunition. So it's it's it, it's scary, frankly. <laughs> it looks like something out of a really old science fiction film mm-hmm, if you watch the video. But yeah, we might ha- have to worry about drones anymore as long as we have, you know, the U.S. Navy, who thought the Navy would be here to save the day. Uh, the village people? I truly hate you. I mean, I was singing it in my head as you said it, so. (laughs) Well, Matt, at least you're smart enough to not actually say it. He's sitting here. I I was about to say, but at the same time, you are a lot closer to to her than I am, so. (laughs) Striking distance. (laughs) Lord. But yeah. Now I just want to see, like, a. a showdown between the Navy and Boston Dynamics. Yes! Oh, God. Give Boston Dynamics, like, an hour, and I'm sure they could come up with, with whatever the Navy created in, like, six years, so. Yeah. I All I know is I don't want this laser mounted on a Boston Dynamics robot. Oh, no, absolutely not. No. No. We all did. <laughs> we're all We're doomed. all done for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't push one of their robots down a hill, so. Yeah. Try to push it and it lasers you in the face. (laughs) It'll shoot lasers at you just for giving it, like, the side eye, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Man, those things are terrifying. (laughs) Alright, so that's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to keep up with what's happening throughout the week. And let us know any cool things we're missing out on. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time. Everybody say bye. Bye. Bye.